You're listening to Super Manager, the podcast for people who manage people and business with ideas, trends, and expert interviews to help you be a super manager. Welcome to the Super Manager Podcast. This week, I've got my fellow caped crusaders in management. Victoria Wars, Wars Consulting, Human Resources Consulting. I'm Jerry Richardson. I'm a labor and employment lawyer at Evans and Dixon. My name's Sally Bowles, and I'm with Prefix Technologies. And I'm Samantha Nays with CN Video. We do corporate video production. So we're going to talk today about some horror stories in interviews, and that can be both sides of the table. I've been doing a lot of interviewing, but I remember the worst interview I ever attended as the interviewee was with a very large financial institution here in St. Louis. It was a six-hour interview. The the shocking look on your face, that's not the worst part of it. The idea was they wanted me to speak with six different people one hour each back to back. Because they had me speak with each person individually, I talked with the first person, and when the second person came in, they would essentially ask the same questions that the first person asked and so on and so forth. But I was able to use it as an opportunity to get some of my questions answered, and here's what made it a true horror story. I don't know how much you know about financial institutions, but VPs are kind of a dime a dozen. Having VP in your title is not a big deal. Being an officer of the bank is more of a big deal. And so I wanted to know what it would take because in my current position, I was an officer of the bank and I wanted to know what it would take to be officer of a bank in this position. First person I asked, he was very vague. He said, well, you know, there are some requirements and you get invited and, you know, maybe, maybe not. Very vague, which raised a concern. So the second person, I asked the same question, and he gave a similar answer, but still vague. And I was having a hard time getting an answer, so I thought, you know, I'm going to press this. The next person came in, and I asked him about it, and I pressed him on it a little bit. I said, what are the requirements you have to meet, and then what happens? And he said, well, you have to this, this, and this, and then you may be invited. And I said, what do you mean, may be invited? What does that mean? Well, you know, it's by invitation, and, and I thought, I'm not getting a good feeling about this. So... By the time I got to the fifth interviewer, another male vice president, I asked him, of the six VPs that are interviewing me today, how many are officers of the bank? And he said, five. Five out of the six. And I said, okay, okay, so it's not impossible. And he said, well, you know, you have to. And I'm like, what is going on here? So the sixth VP, the only female VP that I was interviewing with that day came in And before we got started, I said, hey, before we do this interview, can I ask you a question? I've been told that five of the six people I'm speaking with today are officers of the bank and one is not. What's the story with that? And she kind of stared at me for a second. And I said, are you the one that's not? And she said, yes, the other five are, I am not. And I had to kind of think about it for a minute because I thought, I don't want to burn any bridges. I don't want to, if this is a good place to work, I don't want to ruin the interview, but I want to ask the question. And I thought, I'm just going to go ahead and be direct. And so I said, is there a problem with gender bias here? And she just kind of stared at me. And I said, have you experienced anything that you feel is problematic? And she just kind of stared at me and she said, okay, yes, the other five VPs are officers of the bank. I am not. We have had newer male VPs come in after me that have been made officers of the bank. There are no female officers of the bank. And there will be no female. (laughs) Well, she went on and as she started talking, it's like the dam broke. And she started using terms like there's a real good old boy club going on here. If you're female, you just don't have a chance at having a career here. And it ended with, 
I recommend that you only, if you're female, that you only take a position with this company if you have no other options. And I said, okay, thank you for your time. And I got up and walked out after five, wow. five hours of interviewing. So that was obviously a nightmare interview from the interviewee side of the table. However, she did you a big favor. She did. She did, because that could have that, been... That probably would have rarely come out in any other interview. I wonder so. if she was still at that bank after that occurred. My hunch is she was actively looking. Yes, <laughs> especially after that conversation. Well, and even if she wouldn't have come out and told me that, I wouldn't have had a warm fuzzy because I just from my conversations with the five previous people, I was a little bit concerned and suspicious. So you know, otherwise I wouldn't have asked the question right. straight out. Right. Yeah, that interview with me may have prompted her to, <laughs> to, I was to make say, some kind yeah. of action. Yeah. I had an interviewee, a candidate, come in to interview and it was a production employee position. He was a young individual, but old enough to know better. Yeah. He brought his mother. Oh, yeah. That I've happens a lot. Those. I've had two. I have had one of those. I've had two of those. It's <laughs> beyond me how a young, and this happened to be a man, would acquiesce, even if his mother insisted that she would <laughs> attend, that he would bring her mm -hmm. or anybody else into an interview for a job. It's not wow. that uncommon. Well, I have to tell I, you, I, that I, interview did not last very long. Yeah, I just agree. looked at him and said, this wasn't considered to be a group interview here. I don't believe we have an interest at this time. Thank you. On the different side of things, I interviewed someone who her 15-year-old son had a learner's permit, so she thought it'd be great for him to get some driving time in and brought him to the interview. When I suggested, did he want to wait in the car or maybe, you know, walk someplace, get a soda, whatever, she said, no, we do just about everything together. He can stay right here. <laughs> a little Oedipal complex going on there, possibly. She brought her so, witness. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, that interview um, politely probably lasted longer than it should have, but... Yeah, that was a new one for me. I have had two people bring their mothers with them that were in their mid-20s. Yep. But We've she's the, she was the only one that insisted that her son come. I, most of what I get as the lawyer is after the fact, and I, it's kind of forensic. And you find things out that maybe didn't blow up for the employer, but you cringe as a lawyer when you hear what happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that during the, the interview, there's someone that is trying to be breaking the ice, and that's where the interviews go off the rails. Instead of sticking to questions about the candidate's qualifications, what the relevant experience of the candidate is, and determining how well the candidate communicates, they say, well, let's be friendly. Oh, I see you're wearing a hajib. Where did you get oh, that? Oh, yeah. Or, you know, no, these are not questions, you know, you <laughs> might think you're being friendly, but these are not the kinds of questions to ask. So if you keep what you're there to do in mind and keep your questions on target, you'll do much better. I, on a, an interview that I was on, I was in a group interview session. Not that there were a number of interviewers. They had a group of interviewees in an oral interview session that they were asking us questions as a group. I'm actually curious about that because it's so easy to apply for a job now. You post a job opening, you get hundreds. And 
But the thought has occurred to me, I've never done it. Is there a way to do some kind of group interview? How did that, uh, what happened that? It was a competitive environment. There were yeah. only, they had like nine candidates and I think there were only three spots. So you can imagine what kind of a scrap was going on. No, I can't imagine, do tell. You have to <laughs> compete with the next person. It's kind of a one-upmanship to be able to at least get on the radar screen. It was the wildest thing I'd ever experienced in my life. Interesting. And of course, I'm so full of BS. I made it, you know, but I mean. Oh, you were an interviewee, so you were. I was an interviewee, yeah. and, and I had all of these other interviewees with me. Well, see, I when I was an office manager years ago, we used to do large group interviews because we did okay. a lot of summer hiring. And, you know. This was for a professional position. Well. Okay, but still, I mean, these were young adults kind of thing coming in to get a summer job. And we did group interviews yeah. because it saved so much time. So it actually we, worked when you did it. It really did. And we found out really quickly as far as personalities. And, you know, if somebody comes out ready to scrap somebody, you think, maybe you're not going to be this team environment. Well, depending here. on what the what the environment is, I mean, if you want somebody who's more cutthroat, right. uh, you know, well, then that's was, a good way to find them. for a labor relations manager position, which means I had to get in there. I couldn't be reticent whatsoever. Gotcha. Well, and you got it though, right? Yeah. So it worked. It, worked I mean, it was a crazy experience for you, but it worked. Jerry Ours looks was like a time management thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I never thought about it the I way mean, you're saying it because I was on the other side of the table. If I was going table. to match up with Teamsters and machinists and pretty scrappy individuals out in the field, I was going to have to show, and especially being female, I had oh. to so, show that so I could step up. Jerry's about to jump out of his skin. What's going on, Jerry? Well, not so much uh, on the interview as a group, as long as you're staying out of questions that would get you into trouble from a legal standpoint if you ask one person that question. I mean, standard recommendation when you are interviewing candidates, basically, is that you have all the interviewers asking similar questions of the same candidate. Consistency. So that yes. you don't wander off the reservation and get yourself into trouble. But a kind of a horror story of, I was doing a training session and it was for a business that did recruiting, mm -hmm. and some of the recruiting they did was for medical practices. And so when I got to this point, I'm talking about, you have the slide up with the big picture of Irish need not apply on there. I said, you know, back in the 1850s, this was a pretty oh, common oh, sign. Oh, 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 you can't lawfully do this. Wow. And suddenly a hand goes up and says, oh, what do you mean by that? Uh, you know, if, if we have a doctor's practice, and four Jewish doctors and they tell us they want another Jewish doctor, what's wrong with that? I said, well, it's illegal. <laughs> you know, if you don't have any problem with illegality, you know, that's fine. But customer preference is no defense. Sally, you had a candidate. Well, yeah, yeah, we had a candidate apply for a job. Resume looked great. We were excited about the interview as we started asking very direct questions, problem-solving questions. Words were literally made up that would have nothing to do with the field. By you or by the candidate? Oh, no, by the candidate. I think he thought he was going to BS his way through an interview, get a nice raise and have a good job. And it was very evident he wasn't even qualified to fill out the application, let alone come to the interview. So he, so, he was actually making up words to try to sound like he was yeah, technical. Oh, yes. Yeah, he thought he was very knowledgeable. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> or maybe maybe one of his friends played a joke on him and was like feeding him incorrect words or well, something. <laughs> it, it, it was hard to keep a straight face. I'll just say. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I, I wished him well and um, <laughs> off he went and that was the end of that one. But that was, um, yeah. People are amazing sometimes. Oh, I mean, people are actually kind of fun, but you got to be careful was, with it, huh, Jerry? <laughs> that one was fun to, to, to ask some in-depth questions and get these answers that Watch were... Watch it go off all over the place. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That kind of goes back to the assessments and being given the opportunity to show what you can do. You were speaking technically with this person, and he wasn't able to talk no, the talk. And no, no. <laughs> it, it was a first interview, so it was, you know, <laughs> when, when you simply couldn't be polite and keep a straight face anymore. We wished him well. So At least you've got people coming in to interview. What a number of HR managers are telling me is that they set up appointments for interviews and they don't show. It's ghosting is going on right and left. Oh, even worse than that, there have been people that have gotten job offers, accepted them, and then don't show up don't for their show. first day of work. Yeah, that's a whole other topic that we're going to bring up is, is employees ghosting employers. So talking about solutions a little bit, Jerry, I wanted to respond to something that you said earlier about sticking to the questions. I found that there's a way that you can ask the questions. You want to stick to the questions, but there is a way that you can ask them that puts people more at ease and gets them into that talking mode. So like, for example, I used to ask common interview questions that you hear are, what do you like most about your current job? What do you like least? What are you looking for? I found that when you're asking a list of questions and writing down responses, you're setting the tone for I'm asking you questions and you're answering them and they have predefined answers. So like you say, what do you prepared. what do you like least? Oh, I wasn't kept busy, you know, and what you know, it you, wasn't you get these challenging enough. It wasn't yeah. challenging enough. Yeah, you get these BS answers. And so I found instead of asking that, you know, I won't talk about their star of day <laughs> that they're that they're wearing. But I'll say things like, you know, so you're, <laughs> Jerry's giving me the okay sign. I'll say things like, so you're just now graduating and you're looking for your first full-time, your actual career. That's a very exciting time. Have you thought about what you're really looking for? You know, instead of saying, what's important to you? What are you looking for? What do you like most in a job? Or instead of saying things like, what are you trying to avoid in your next job? Kind of doing the reverse of that and saying, you know, it can be an exciting and stressful time. Are there any things that you're concerned about as far as what might happen once you start your career, once you start this full-time job? And I found that that gets people more into conversation mode and they're a little bit more honest in their answers. I, yeah. Well, can I challenge your thinking? Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. You're... There are certain things you need to come away with, and there's yeah. no single question that gets at right. them. And so you know what you need from this person in this job. Usually you've had other people in the job. Right. You know what made those people successful. And so you can ask questions like, well, tell me about your experience that is relevant to this position. You know, this right. position does blah, blah, blah. Sure. Okay? That's an opportunity basically say, tell me about yourself. Yeah. And tell me, you know, what you've done. That's the kind of information that's good information to get. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I always ask for stories about similar projects that you've worked on and what you liked and, about it. And, and if you get a blank, you know there's someone who has no experience. <laughs> well, right. One, <laughs> right. one of the things I, I use is I, whether it's a truthful story or not, and rather than just going on the bland, click, 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 I'll set it to a scenario that may have occurred. 
has anything like this happened to you in the past? Or can you speak to that, you know, some sort of mm-hmm. scenario either I experienced or someone else has experienced, and, you know, can you speak to that? And they usually will respond in the same manner that I told. It's like it's a, a template, and I just get everything I want in that response. And See, I, I prefer the more conversational. Yeah. Well, this is, um, this is, it's a conversation, but, you know. For example, even being really open, um, you know, what, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do, like, on your vacation time kind of thing? If somebody says... All of my family's in Seattle, and that's where I am. At, I was when gonna, I'm not here, right, right. That probably indicates you just got out of school. You're going to stay here for a bit. It's until you find something in Seattle. So oftentimes you can find out just in conversation a lot about a person. I usually and open my mouth, and they know I'm not from here. So. No, and I don't mean it like that. Because there, I mean, we have actually most of. All but one of our employees did not grow up in St. Louis, and they've been here a long time. Okay. So that was perhaps a bad example of a question. You can find out a lot about their company culture by just having a conversation with them. I remember working with a, a nonprofit organization that helped people who were in between jobs, and they did a lot of interview preparedness, and they talked about what are good responses to certain questions. And I think that is really the enemy to both parties. Because if you're not using the interview to really determine if you're a good fit and let the company determine if they're a good fit, it's just not going to work out and it's going to cost the company a lot of money. And I love those conversations where you can tell they've gone off script and they're having a real conversation with you. And when you get a rehearsed response, you really got nothing. And I think people that are interviewing need to realize the interviewee is also kind of feeling you out to find out if they want to work there. In my opinion, it's interviewing malpractice. If the person being interviewed hasn't at least gone to the website for the employer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And has something to talk about, about that business, and comes in thinking, well, this is what I have done that's related to what you do and in this position. You know, experiential interviewing is the interviewing that's done today. Here are examples. Here are some good <laughs> responses to those examples. Oh. <laughs> yeah, inter- interviewees or candidates need to understand they're kind of in a selling mode, that they need to tell or respond to you in a way that they're selling what they can do for you. It's yeah, not necessarily I, what you can do for them. I disagree with that. I, I disagree with that. I think it's more like a relationship. Uh, are you going to get along with me and am I going to get along with you? Because I found that a lot of the questions I ask are more about, are you going to be happy here? Because I know if you're not going to be happy working for this company, you're not going to do a good job. You're not going to last. And it it actually makes the interviewee perceive me as someone who's thoughtful and caring. And and I'm glad of that. But really, I'm doing it to serve my own self-interest. I want to make sure that you're going to be a good fit, that you're going to be happy here. If they've gone in, like Jerry was talking about, from a research standpoint, to show that they have enough interest in your organization to be able to speak to your needs, at least as they see it from the website, they need to make sure that they're able to present that. And this is what I'm talking about from a sales standpoint, that you have to measure their fit. But they need to understand when you're asked questions, you need to be forthcoming and you need to show that you have taken this step to research and show what your background, your abilities are 
that the company could use. Jerry, that was a really good point about them doing some research because if they're interested in the position, if they care about the position and something they want, they're going to look into it. And I've had interviewees come in and say, so tell me a little bit about what you guys do. And I'll oh, say, have you, have you looked at our website? And I, and, and I get this kind of pause and sometimes they'll say, oh, you know, I was having trouble finding it. Or, you know, I didn't, I meant to, and my cell phone was, you know, the network wasn't it working. Blew up. And yeah, and that right away, I mean, that's just an inter- interview killer because it's like, you're clearly not that interested in this particular Correct. position. So, and you looked like you were no, wanting that, to say something. That's exactly right. And that's very valuable information yeah. to get. And, and some of these other things, that there's a lot of ways you can ask questions where the information you want is to tell you, is this person a good fit? But you gotta be careful how you ask the question. For example, a simple thing like, well, in your last position, were you absent a lot or you're going to attendance? That's not a good way to mm. ask the question. Right. No, no, okay? yeah. no. That's, no. That's, that's an Americans with Disabilities Act <laughs> oh. nightmare, okay? However, there is a way to say, well, gee, you know, for the last couple of years, how many of your regularly scheduled days did you miss? That's perfectly legal. And that's the kind it's of information. Just a, it's just a turn on the... But it's not verifiable, is it? Yes. Well, is it verifiable? Well, depends. In most cases, I would say no, because usually if you contact the employer, right. and if the, if the person has a job, he's going to say, well, don't contact my employer. My employer right. doesn't know I'm here. Right. If you get the information and it doesn't match up with other pieces of information right, you right. get, Checks it's, and balances. Va- it's valuable information. Same thing about, you know, do you, do you have child work- rearing responsibilities that would interfere with working into the evening or on weekends or overnight travel, that gets asked of females and not males. Why is that? Right. It's okay if you ask both. And why do you have to ask it in a way that isn't just, do you have any responsibilities? Why is right. child-bearing responsibilities are, you know, the female genders? They could be caring well, for an elderly ask, parent. I would say ask everyone. They, they could be on a traveling rugby team. I don't know. It could be, it could be <laughs> there's travel required with this position. Do you have any obstacles to traveling? Any other thoughts on how to avoid horror stories in your interviews as an interviewer? Well, I think training the people doing the interviewing is helpful because it is not something that is innate. <laughs> hey, everybody's a good interviewer. No, yeah. some people are horrible. And, and they will stumble into things that will create legal problems Right. Or they'll ask a bunch of questions that doesn't give you any information at all that tells you whether this is a good person for you. Right. Thanks for listening to Super Manager by CN Video Production. Visit our website at cn-video.com for additional episodes and lots of Super Manager resources. Or give us a call at 314-VIDEO-ME.